Hello again, everybody. There is the music, and we're back underway. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. We're up to 22, Craig. 22, Mike Bossy. Welcome. 2-2. My understanding, Skyrim Report came across my desk this morning. Yep. Rick Jen right on the call. Goo, 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 yes! Scores! I heard the call twice. Is that true? Confirm or deny? Two beauties. I didn't do the puck flip. I thought about it, but I thought... They might beat me up because they probably are listening to John Tortorella and they think that you don't do that kind of thing in beer league, but they were two beauties, <laughs> two beauties. I have to say, and I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud. Of, I won't lie to you. That beer went down cold last night. My friend, I was going to call my dad, but it was 1130 at night, but I was very happy. So the scouting <laughs> report is right. La 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 Fontaine. What a call that was. I'm going to call Jenner up before he retires. And ask him to do a call for me. Why not? Yeah, hey, listen. I, hey, that's that'd be great to have that in my uh, in my uh, utility belt, right? No, in your in your library, in your in archive, library. it'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's where you want to have it, and you know, it's all it's all fun. Hey, you know, I know you got the video from Dale Howardchuck in the 93, 94 season. Yes. How, how good was that? Oh, like, you know, 93, 94. Uh, I, I I got cheeky on Twitter and I said, well. I mean, no kidding. The game didn't grow after that goal. And, but I'm waiting to see the video of Dale Howardchuck getting his head taken off. Have you seen that video? Because the, you know, th th this was the narrative back then, right? I don't think so. Mr. Coolius. It was beautiful. And we think of Dale. I mean, I remember seeing him at the airport, so traveling, um, you know, when he was around and the world was a different place and everything else, but uh, he'll be remembered for so many great things. That goal was a beauty, and he was part of the great goal in 1987, which is a lot of fun. We're not having fun right now, Craig. There's, there's, everyone's scared. There's a COVID crisis. They're worried about the Olympics. Well, I think that ship has sailed. I heard you on TSN talking about that. Really, you use the podcast material from the week earlier. To, I love it when I love it when the podcast material ends up on television. I say, heard it. I've already seen it, which was great. As you tell Gino and your buddies and, uh, you know, the, the, the afternoon drive show, which of course I can't listen to because I've got my own. But anyway, so the World Juniors, the, the NHL, the Canes shorthanded, I guess. Where are we on this? Like, you know, I'm a optimist, glass half full. Are we going to pause? People are shutting it. Are we where March 2020 was? Surely we're not that bad of two years ago, Craig. I will only say this to you, my friend. March 2020 was a time of, of fear because we didn't know what we were dealing with with COVID-19. We had no idea that the top, the top science people and health people in the world didn't know what we were dealing with. So, and, and then you start to think how, how, it, how it ran rapid through long-term care homes. Think about the images we were getting from Italy, you know, Northern Italy. Think about the images we were getting from New York City, you know, with the, with the corpses in the refrigerator trucks because the morgues couldn't handle the, the work. So anybody that wants to compare this to March, 2020 has a very short memory of what March, 2020 was. And, I, and let me just tell you a very short memory because it's not anything like March, 2020. You know, we, we've come a long ways in understanding, uh, you know, what, what COVID is and, and how to handle it. Uh, we have vaccines, we have therapies. And, you know, like anything else, when, when we talk about virology and you go back to the Spanish flu of 1918, there was a lot of, there was millions of people that died 
And the, you move from pandemic to endemic. The flu hasn't gone away, Steve. We just learned that our immune systems learned how to deal with it with the help. And now there's flu vaccines. We have COVID vaccines. We know how to deal uh, better with, with, with the disease and, and how, to, how to prevent serious outcomes. So that's where we're at today. Okay, to, to be surprised that, that, that there's new uh, variant, there's mutations every year. The flu has mutations every year. And this is, COVID's a coronavirus, just like the flu. So we're going to have those mutations. We're going to have new variants. Let's hope, and I'm an optimist just like you, let's hope that what we're seeing is, I mean, we're hearing about a lot of asymptomatic cases or very, very mild symptoms. You know, that's the encouraging news. I, I am not going to make conclusions here. But that is encouraging. Now we can determine, we can try to assess why that is. I'll leave it to the health professionals and the scientists to, to deal with it. But I do know this to move from pandemic to endemic, what you have to do is have less serious outcomes, mild symptoms, asymptomatic, because you can be infected with the flu virus right now. Doesn't mean you're sick, but you could be infected by it. We're moving in a direction that I that, that I'm optimistic is going to allow us. Uh, to, to get back to that sense of familiarity, we're going to live with COVID for the rest of our lives, Steve. That's the bottom line. But precautions have to be taken still just so that we don't overwhelm our healthcare systems. I get that. But I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a time for panic. I think it's a time for understanding and compassion. And uh, we're going to get to the other side of this. And my optimism is such that I think we're going to get to the other side of it sooner rather than later. Do you think that sooner rather than later realistically is for a full NHL season starting next September. And I, I use hockey as an example, because that's what we're all about or after Christmas and new year's, and we get to middle of January and the case counts. And I use Ontario as an example, they're going kind of backwards in Ontario for safety, worried about ICU units and people in hospital. So if, we come out of the Christmas break and we're into January and the numbers are skyrocketing and people are in hospital, then it's, Oh my goodness, we're in trouble. If we're not at that level, Craig, do you think that's, I know that's optimistic and that's positive, but does that mean better news at the end of the winter? What do you think? Well, what I think is, is that, I mean, we have to keep track of, uh, uh, infections, and then we have to keep track of hospitalizations and, and uh, you know, who's ending up in ICU, right? And, you know, trying to understand all, all those put together. I mean, that's what the, that's what the science experts do. And it, again, you know, we're seeing positive cases, but we're seeing a lot of asymptomatic cases, you know, or, or very mild symptoms. And, 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 and that, that based on what, uh, you, you know, what you, what you hear, what you read from the, from the health experts, the science experts is, is a positive sign. We need more data and, and we're going to get more data and, and, and the data, whether how many people are ending up in the hospital, who's ending up in the hospital, uh, you know, who's ending up in the ICU. That's what we got to keep track of. And that's what we got to protect. I don't think anybody's suggesting that you don't. The schedule's already built for a full season this year, Steve, with full travel and everything that went with it. We, the NHL has shown fully and completely how, how they deal with a fluid situation, how they deal with new information. They did it with the return to play. And I think the NHL's record is, 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 is exceptional. You know, think about the bubble. The bubble was fantastic. Right. Yep. Like there was no, no one. And then last year, I mean, there was trying to deal with some things. There was outbreaks last year, you know, 
but the NHL again now now enhanced measures that you know resemble last year with respect to the teams and trying to put those protocols in place till uh, after the new year, January 7th, I believe is the date. That's good. The NHL is nimble. The, 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 the NHL is agile and the NHL is going to look at how we, how they can do it. So the schedule's in place for a full, full season this year. There's been games postponed. We know that there's been games rescheduled again. Let's wait and see, but I'm an optimist and, you know, if there's new information that comes through that says, uh-oh, you know what? Hospitalizations are going way up. The ICUs are getting overwhelmed. Well, then we're going to have to reevaluate. But the NHL has done exactly that over a period of time. And I think they will, I, I don't think, I know they will continue to do that. So let's not jump to conclusions and speculate is what I would say. Well, we're trying to use our past experience educated guessing as we look around the world, what the scientists say, where we are now. I guess the good thing about not going to the Olympics that we we think we're not going with NHL players is we've got a buffer zone, Jerry, right? There's a buffer zone of rescheduling games for the Flames and some of the other teams. I'm sure that the three-week break isn't going to be a three-week break, that some of the games at some point in the schedule, maybe at the end, are going to be replayed, or not replayed, but played, to be able to speed up getting to the playoffs, right? So to think that we're going to have no games for three weeks, I'd like to think is a little ridiculous. We we got to play and use our time wisely to make up games. So that kind of buffer zone in February does exist. And maybe it ends up being perfect to be able to get an NHL season through as safely as possible because zero percent one percent going to the olympics when the players gather all the information that's the good thing about this schedule b uh going to schedule a so if, if there is a positive is that we're not pushing through february when we've got a blank spot there's a blank spot and i'm sure your scheduling buddy there is doing his thing working around the clock collecting overtime trying to figure it out it, it, it's we're going to talk about Ovechkin. We're going to talk about what's wrong with the Oilers. We're, we're going to talk about all the hockey stuff. But let's be honest, on our show, on your shows, what people are doing right away is going, oh, because they're feeling sad. Like, my my stomach dropped when, you know, 50% capacity Toronto and Ottawa came out yesterday. Hearing about Carolina, Calgary, 17 people, you're going, oh, my goodness. Because we in the moment, we don't know what it means. And then we say, okay, like you said, gather the information. Let's be realistic here. Let's deal with it. We're not talking about all 17 people in the Flames organization going to Calgary hospitals and 27 and, people in the Calgary Flames organization. Oh, okay. 27. So 17 players and 10 and 10 non-playing personnel. Right. So they're done until after Christmas. So we're going to, and that's, and that's fine. We have February, but I think the doom and gloom and shut it down and close the leagues and all this stuff. Whoa, Camel. Let's just, let's just, wait till we have to get to that point and and if we do we do but right now we're at a point of saying hey it's good that we're still playing that there's people in the stands even if it's 50 percent and let's see where the icus are i guess that's the biggest thing is case counts is one thing but if there's case counts and in four days people are getting better and people aren't hospitalized then that's the best part of your pandemic turning into an endemic and saying we're gonna have to live with it so i think that's the big part over christmas and january First. We're going to be in an endemic at some point in time. I, I, I don't know when it is. I, I, I'm just saying, uh, you, you know, you, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic like you. 
glass half full, but I'm realistic too. I'm not naive that what happens. The other thing I, I, I think we should consider, Steve, is that, you know, when Gary Bettman said this, uh, when asked about February, he says a lot of buildings have been booked out, you know, with concerts and whatnot. So, you know, where Steve Hatsa Petros in the league uh, and, and the member clubs have to work is, okay, where do we have some openings? Where do we have some flexibility here? But how about this? How about if we do reach a point where, you know, we have Nashville with, uh, with, with players and, and personnel, including John Hines, the head coach in, in protocol. We have the Flames. What happens if we do reach a point where, you know, we see a spread and we have to put in even more enhanced protocols? Do you use that three-week span in February just as a reset? The schedule's already there, right? Do you use it as a reset? Hey, listen, you know what? We're going to get this all under control. You know, teams can now come back and have a training camp for seven, eight days, right? And kind of you, you get the rest, right? Which which makes the which makes the 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 last part of the season exciting because everybody's rested. Get them healthy, and and, and then you just say we have a training camp coming into there. I mean, is that not something that could be plausible? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I, I think options on the board. You go into the yeah. boardroom. Hey, yeah. how are you, Gary, Bill? How are you? Craig and Steve are here again. You know, I'm fourth in command behind Coley and the group. Okay, we're here. <laughs> uh, what, what's possible? Going to the Olympics. Okay, that's possible. A pause. Making up some games. Uh, making up games for the postponed teams. Having a mini training camp. Like, it's all on the board. And if we're yeah. thinking about it, they're thinking about it. So we go through all those types of options and look at, what's realistic and if, if it's a pause a health pause a training camp pause and then we play again then we can get excited about the things that i want to get excited about like alexander ovechkin like are you kidding me when did he turn 26 like when did he is he benjamin button craig like like unbelievable like un, right now he leads the league in scoring as we sit here today at press time, as they used to say in the old days. Leads right now, he's got to be the Hart Trophy leader. He, he's the he's the guy, right? Like he's he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Backstrom comes back as Kuznetsov goes into protocol. Are you kidding me? Are they the same guy? Is he Clark Kent? They turn it around. First of all, his commercial. If that's really Ovi's wife and Backstrom, that's great acting. Like that's great acting. I, I think it's unbelievable. I think they should play all of Ovi's commercials. You know, you should do a top 10 at TSN, Ovi's top commercials and moments, you know, because right now he's just so, you know, the two most lovable people in the game, Bruce Boudreau and Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> they didn't win together, but I just, I'm blown away last night and everything else. And yeah, the Hawks won, but Ovi scores, power play. They still get their, even when they lose, they get a point and they leave the building. But I just love what's going on. It's so fun to watch. Like, it's so fun to watch. How do I, how do I, how do I follow that up? <laughs> like, how do I follow that up? There's nothing that I, I like your idea though. And I am going to pass that on to the folks at TSN. I am. And I'll, I'll make sure they give you uh, appropriate attribution. No, they won't. But, they won't. You know, they, nobody ever does know. anymore. Right. Nobody ever does. They just steal, <laughs> beg, borrow and steal, but that's and, okay. But uh, you agree with the heart trophy stuff? Oh, absolutely. I do. And, and you, you think about it and you, you like, I mean, I, I, and Crosby too. How about Crosby coming back? Like Crosby coming back. I, like, honestly, Steve, like I watch these two guys and I think back, I think back to watching those two guys in 03. That's the first time I saw them play. 
right. how I saw I saw Ovi at the uh, at the at the World Junior. I might have seen him even a year before that at at, at the U eighteen. But I, I'm thinking that it's almost twenty years I've watched these two brilliant talents play. Steve, I haven't seen a drop off in their games. Like I'm not, I, you know, one of the things that in scouting, and uh, we always did this in our pro scouting, and you know, it used to be funny. You know, reports used to come in on Peter Forsberg. Yeah, Peter Forsberg's a good player. Thanks for that scouting report. Like that's going to help us. <laughs> yeah, should we acquire him if he becomes available? <laughs> yeah, you know. So what we would watch for is what players were were kind of coming on an in, on, on on trajectory up. You know, when the players are established and then when were players starting to go on a trajectory down, we were trying to, we, obviously you want to try to look at players and see if you can acquire them as they're coming up. Right. And before anybody knows, and then, you know, Troy Terry comes to mind, right? Like, wouldn't that yep. be a, that, like, that would be, a, but then you also want to make sure that as the players, you know, is that decline, is that trajectory down coming? Right. You know, so you start to look for it. Right. So that's what I'm doing when I'm watching Ovechkin and Crosby. I'm not seeing any downward trajectory. I'm seeing none, none, zero. Like, and somebody go, oh, come on. There has to be some. Yeah, maybe there is. Tell me what it is. I, I don't see it. Yeah, Sid just needed a bit more time coming off illness. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Injury, right? And then, but now, I mean, he was like dash 10 to start and it wasn't there. And then that trajectory of, of he had to get the 35,000 feet because Ovi was there. It just took him just a little bit longer to yeah. get because he missed training camp and all that other stuff. And now it's just, oh my goodness. And they played the other night. It's just fitting. They, they play. Yeah. It goes to a 4-3 game. Uh, exciting. Empty netters. Uh, Ovi on Crosby. They each get two points. And it just reminded me because the game on Friday, we just had a discussion about our favorite Crosby Ovechkin moments. I go to the double hat trick game in 2009. I swear I thought the Capitals were going to win that series and win the cup. And back came the Penguins and then the handshake. And there they are in the handshake, respecting each other. They actually like each other now. Apparently, Sid was probably being a bit more standoffish than Ovi because Ovi's so lovable. It seems now Sid's like, okay, we can be friends. You know, Ovi says he texts him and reaches out to him uh, before that game. But to me, the handshake line, there's one picture and Ovi's obviously distraught and Sid wins. But you got to be careful in the handshake line, Craig, because after 20 years of handshakes, you're going to be on the other side. Nobody, not even Jean Beliveau and Henri, the pocket rocket, was always on the good side. And they were on the good side of a lot of handshake lines. So the one picture where Obi's just, I can't believe we lost this series and didn't show up for game seven, that shot, and then the Penguins win the cup in 09, and then Obi on the other side, and it finally works. And what makes the rivalry so great for so many different reasons, international, world juniors, Olympics, Stanley Cup playoffs, is because Ovi did get his cup. So he's on the board. And at one point, he was wearing the black hat for whatever reason. He was the bad guy. And somewhere along the line, it shifted because I know he was from Moscow, not from Sault Ste. Marie or Minnesota. And, you know, thankfully, that narrative has changed. The people love him so much now. Um, but I'm happy he won. I'm glad that he won. He deserved to win. Also ending the narrative, you can't win with Alexander Ovechkin when he did. So it's it's great to see him doing what he's doing. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal, right? And how about the dueling hat tricks in, in that playoff game? Ovechkin, I mean, yeah. but, but, so, so we, 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 how many moments, ask yourself this question, how many moments have those two players, when they played one another and individually delivered for hockey fans? 
since they entered the league in 05. Well, thousands, thousands, thousands. I mean, it, 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 it is unbelievable. What, and, and that's what, you know, coming out of a lockout in 0405, l- let's just put it this way. There was a lot of hullabaloo around Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. Well-deserved hullabaloo. They haven't disappointed at all. 16 years later, Steve, they haven't disappointed. And you look at Wednesday night, there is Alex Ovechkin again doing his thing. You look at the, 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 uh, the, the Caps, Pens playing again, the two of them, center stage. It's unbelievable. Honestly, like, uh, you know, we always miss players. Steve, we, we will be able to talk when 20 years from now and tell people, do you know how great these guys were? Do you know how great they were? And unlike, I, I, I did this a few years ago. My, my daughter, Quinn, had a bunch of her friends over, and I was trying to tell them about Lemieux and Gretzky. So I pulled up the 87 uh, Canada Cup, and I put it up. It was on YouTube. I put it up on the TV. There was probably about five or six of them, uh, guys and gals. And they start looking at it. I'm going like that. I remember, right? I'm going, oh, look at this. Like, they're going, you watch this? This is what TV looks like? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing that TV is advanced and the video is advanced because, uh, you, you know, future generations are going to be able to watch watch it in crystal clear, high definition. You know, uh, our memories are clear on Lemieux and Gretzky. And I'll tell you what, boy, are we ever for it. Hockey fans, I hope you realize how lucky you are to not only have had this era of Sid and Ovi, but that, it, that they're still going strong and at the top of the game. Alexander Ovechkin, on December the 16th, it's Thursday, December the 16th, leads the league in scoring. <laughs> yeah. Leads over, the league in scoring. Over two guys who have led the league in scoring before. And before we get into the Oilers specifically, can 97 and 34 carry the torch after... 87 and eight is, I mean, did they have to play in the same conference to get playoff action? Obviously if they met in five straight cup finals, then it could happen. Right. Is it there or is it not the same? I mean, if we went to the Olympics and there was a Matthews McDavid moment, that, that would be good. I mean, they had a moment together at the, at the world cup, but they were on the same team. So where are we on, you know, passing of the torch or do we, are we on pause? Like, if we go through the, you know, I guess we go back to Howe and Richard, and then we go through different eras and, you know, with Orr, who was with Orr? Is it the, the Lafleur? Does it, was, it wasn't really Lafleur and Orr, right? It was more Orr and Esposito, here come the Bruins. It was them together. Um, then, you know, Lafleur kind of passed the torch, I guess, to the Islanders. And the Islanders passed the torch to Gretzky. Then we had the Gretzky. Gretzky and Lemieux was still, they only played each other twice a year. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, I, I don't know if we need playoffs to make it happen or if we're just waiting, it, it needs to happen organically, I guess. Right. It just needs to happen organically. I think you nailed it. Organic is the thing. Listen, Con- Connor McDavid has won heart trophies. He's won scoring titles. Uh, Austin Matthews has won a rocket Richard. So he- here's what I would say. Are, 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 they're clearly, clearly, you know, like top players in the national hockey league and clearly are demonstrating that they could take the torch from Sydney and Alexander. Yeah. Here's the thing. 
Alexander and Sydney aren't ready to pass the torch. <laughs> so, and, and like they're trying to rest it away. They are trying to rest away, and and they are terrific players. But I think we got. I think you're right. It's got to happen organic. I don't think it has to happen in the playoffs, right? I like. I mean, that would be nice, right? But we talked about Lemieux and Gretzky, and 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 you know, there's more notoriety around the star players as there should be. But at the end of the day, and 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 I really say this is that. You know, they're showing, hey, you know what? Let us touch the torch. <laughs> Let us hold <laughs> it for a little brief moment. But I'll tell you what, Ovechkin and Crosby's hands are firmly still on that torch. Yeah, and both teams are doing well. Amazing what the Penguins have gone through and still have won. Same as the Capitals. No, neither team has been 100% healthy this year. So to get the torch, you must wrestle it away and you need to win. What the Oilers are going through now, is there a silver lining of, of depth, of getting another goalie? Um, six straight regulation losses. I know when Gretzky got hurt once, the Oilers went one in five. I remember that. He got a knee injury. They went one in five. And they said, well, the Oilers are more than just Gretzky. Well, they went one in five without him. And Messier <laughs> said, we need him back. Really? Really, how big a loss is Wayne Gretzky? Don't ask me that question. Don't ask me that question. I heard it the other day. How big? I turned the channel off because I didn't know want to. I didn't want to know how big, how important. When someone asks how big or how important something is, it's obviously big. How important is your ninth defenseman to the club? Oh my goodness! But anyway, that's my little rant on. I know I probably ask dumb questions too. I think Craig is healed over so i'll just continue on here oilers <laughs> and losses i watch it they are missing depth yamamoto's not delivering ryan nugent hopkins god love him on the power play but he's got three goals i don't want to just blame low-hanging fruit blame miko koskinen they're lucky they have miko koskinen now because <laughs> smith has been hurt do they get quick do they get flurry do they get going like do they get going i think they still go up Looking at those high danger, high danger numbers. They get a lot of high danger, but they give up a lot. They're not, maybe a little bit, a little bit. Torch is right about playing some playoff hockey, like playing defense, not in April, May, and June, but doing it a little bit during the year so it's not a faucet where you can just turn it on, Farah. <laughs> Hey, listen, I, I, I cringe. I, I think you're the one that taught me. You know what? Really? That's a big loss? You mean Gretzky going on? How big of a loss is it? I think you're the one that said, I have never heard you ask that. Dumb. And it's funny how that goes. It's all the time, right? You want to know what a big loss is? I'll tell you what a big loss is. We just got an injury in our minor league and uh, our, our second call-up defenseman's out. <laughs> That's a big loss. Anyway, all kidding aside. The Oilers, and it's it, it's like so. There's lots of there's lots there to chew on. Yeah. The Oilers. So we talk about oh, you got to lose to win. Okay, yeah. I mean, people don't try to lose. I, I guess you try to learn from losing how it can help you win. The Oilers uh, are, are are a team that is incomplete. That's what they are. There's no other way to put it. They're an incomplete team, and so. You know, when we know how great McDavid and Dreisaitl are, so let's not even get into that, right? I, I, I think they've made improvements in their group. The, the, the challenge that they get into, and this is what happens as the season goes on, you start to look and go, okay, what's giving them strength? Their power play was humming, 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 right? Yep. So now you're getting goals from your power play, right? And that gives you, that gives you a cushion. 
all of a sudden now the power play teams are zeroed in on the power play. You're not getting as many because they're not taking as many penalties. And now you got to play five on five, Well, who are your best five on five players? You know, so like, you know, when you're, and, and, and that's McDavid and dry don't get me wrong here. Right. Like, so, you know, now when they score and give you that cushion five on five, they're protecting the other players who, who aren't great five on five. Well, now the power play dries up a little bit. Well, those other guys aren't protected. So when we talk about depth scoring, I call it five on five scoring when you're not protected by your top players and, and your power play. So the power play's been, been struggling. The goaltending's been awful, Steve. I'm not here to jump on Miko Koskinen. He was really good at the beginning. He's been terrible. And the other thing, and I'm telling you, I, th- I saw it in the preseason. I thought that it could end up being a problem for him. It's that right shot defense. And that right shot defense, when teams start to say, this is the soft underbelly of the Edmonton Oilers, and we're going to poke it, and we're going to expose it. And that's Tyson Berry, Evan Bouchard, and Cody Ceci. You watch how teams attack, how they attack from below the goal line, how they attack to the net, how they attack on that side. Those three guys don't defend very well. They don't defend very well. So I just talked about three issues that the Edmonton Oilers have. So, you know, your bottom line is Ken Holland's made some, I think, some really solid improvements to their team. They're still incomplete. They're still incomplete. So it's not about losing to learn how to win in the playoffs. It's about Ken now has had a great opportunity to evaluate his team. Dave Tippett, too. Now you can start to look, okay, how do we manage this? How do we do this? How do we work with this? What kind of changes and improvements or what kind of changes can we make that will lead to improvements? I think that's where the Oilers are at. Well, they're not changing all three of those guys. They wanted Adam Larson. He chose to leave and they did have to spend that money elsewhere. So, but, but it was a loss and there's things to like about Bouchard and Lawrence. Sometimes I look at it and I think, he's better than the other two. Like they, they play him a lot. And there's times it's Bouchard and nurse when nurse was healthy. And you start to say it, they have something there. And uh, we talked about the injuries when Keith was out and there's something he can do as a, as a five, six nurse can't play 40 minutes a night. And they're not changing all of that. Like they've made their changes, right? They, they brought in people to help them with the third line, but, but it hasn't worked. Yamamoto's not played well. Cassian, when Cassian goes back with the big boys, you know what that says? They don't have a top nine because they need them too much to play in the top three. So it's back to the future. It's with Alex P. Keaton. They're back to the, they're back to where they started again. And that's scary. Like that's scary. And it's not as if they got $80 million sitting in cap space. So they're up against it. There's no trades going to be made until March. For a lot of reasons, maybe even COVID, you wanted to get a guy right now. No, Giordano, Flurry, Kessel will move, but not for another couple of months. So we're in a holding pattern right here. And the Oilers are, they're, they're spinning their tires right now. Listen, uh, like to your point about uh, Barry Bouchard and CeCe, it's, it, it's, it, it's not about, uh, it's not about them specific and saying that that like, it, it's about how you support, you know, who the Oilers really miss, you know, who they really, really miss Oscar Clefbaum. Oh, because yeah, yeah, now yeah. all you of a sudden, about you have, well, no, but I'm just saying, but like you, you, you have that type of player, you have nurse. Now you have cleft bomb. Now, you know, when you got nurse playing with one of those three right shot guys, you got support there, right? You got a cleft bomb there. Well, now you got a top four that can complement one another. My point is, is where a team will look for the soft underbelly. We're going to attack them because they don't have the support. 
right? Like, you know, you don't want to football. I'm a huge football guy, as you know, right? You know, second string, second string quarter cornerback comes in. What does, what the, what do they say on the broadcast? Wow. They're going right after that cornerback right now. Right. And sure enough, it's exactly what they do. You're always looking to exploit where you think you can take advantage. It's not about the individual players. It's about the collective and what they lack. And that's why I say incomplete. You know, nobody talks about Oscar Clefbaum. Nobody talks about Oscar Clefbaum and losing him. That's a big, so they had Clefbaum. They had Adam Larson, right? Like you, you don't have these guys now. Those are good, good, solid defensive defenders. Well, that's where you say, what's wrong with the Oilers? Then you can say people have forgotten what a big loss not having Oscar Clef bomb. So true. That, so that's true. where it, that's where it works. So in the news recently, there's been and it's died down now because Gary supported Arizona. In your experience with the Arizonas, and people say in those markets, oh, you pick on Carolina, Florida, and Arizona. Florida's got a great team. We see a lot of empty seats. Dollar in, dollar out. I, I don't see the books. Arizona. You know, they build a lot of facilities in the United States. Like in my lifetime, the Lions have had two cathedrals built. They built Rome for them twice. Like, oh my God, do the Pistons still play at the Palace of Auburn Hills or they moved into the Little Caesars arena? Like they built that one as the Joe Lewis. They build arenas there like the Egyptians built pyramids. I mean, and if an owner threatens to move in the NFL, oh, we'll build them these billion dollar cathedrals. So... Where I'm going is Arizona. Are they really secure? This Houston chatter, is it really there or it's not? And then Quebec City, Gary's going to meet with those officials. Are we frozen like card sharks at 32 or because of COVID and a check? If a check comes to the table, could we go to 34? Is that what all this is about? I wonder if these are trial balloons. What, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, you know how I feel about Quebec City and I'm nostalgic and... Yeah. Am I, am I a dreamer? Like John Lennon said, am I a dreamer? Well, there's a lot of things, you know, Ann Murray saying daydream believer, John Lennon, you know, you know, we know his great song. Here's what I'll tell you. Why wouldn't Gary Bettman listen to anybody that's making overtures to be part of the NHL? That's right. number one. Like that's just good. I'm going to listen. Like, and we're going to listen. We're going to hear. It's not just about writing the check. Okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, people that are, I, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are willing to write. It's not just about writing the check. It's what you're going to contribute to the revenue pot because, you know, it, it's a 50, 50 split between the league and the players. Right. So like if, if there's a drain in, in an area, right, like you, you, it's going to hurt your overall business. So th that's a major, major consideration. It's not just writing the check to say here, here's what we're willing to pay to get into the league. It's what you're willing, it's what your economics and what your uh, city, your, your platform can do to contribute to the ongoing economics of the league. Because you don't want to be, and the players have to be concerned about this too, because they're 50-50. So like we can be nostalgic and we, you know how long I've heard about Houston? I've heard about Houston since we, our team moved to Dallas in 1993. That's how really? long I've heard about Houston, yeah. That's how long I've heard about Houston. Remember, the Houston Arrows were down there. I mean, they had a lot of success. The WHA, they were in the IHL. Dave Tippett, that's where he started. You know, that's where he was coaching. You know, and, and, and I've heard it. The Edmonton Oilers were so-called close to moving to Houston. 
right? Like, I mean, we know the whole thing with the Edmonton, maybe going to Portland. Remember that whole thing, the front row seats and everything? Trust me, these are all things that are going to rear their head and people express interest. And to me, I'm just going to tell you this, that this, and I'm really clear on it, is that Gary's best interests are served by listening to anybody <laughs> that's interested in being in his league. That doesn't mean anything other than I'm going to listen. Do you think if we did go to 34, that would be too quick? Is that a freeze? Is, is it realistic? I, I look at recouping revenues. Then if the players who normally don't get expansion money, you know, this is a way of getting to, you know, balance for the COVID crisis and, you know, the extra tax that the players play to, you know, balance out the 50, 50 split. And if you look at the pie and say, well, Houston, Quebec city would add to the pie and Florida and Arizona take from the pie, you know, Quebec city, 15,000, even though it's a small market is better than 12,000 fans in the seats in, in other places. I don't have all the math. Then it's the private boxes. It's a television deal and everything else. Or maybe we're done at 32. Maybe it's perfect. I look around at the player pool. That's what matters first. What's the player pool around the world? Well, it's never been better and it's never been bigger. So I think, right? I'll stop you right there, Mr. Poulos. Okay. I'll stop you on two fronts. Number okay. one, we went 17 years between expansion. 2000, you know, when Columbus and Minnesota entered the league to 2017 yeah. when the Vegas Golden Knights entered the league. And then shortly thereafter, we went from, we went from 31 to 32 with the addition of Seattle. Yeah. Okay? Like, you know, do I think 34 is too fast? Absolutely. I do. And right. you know what? I think you have to get your, your, your current business model. And, and Gary talked about this at the board of governors. Hey, listen, our revenues are tracking pre pre COVID. So now you're, so now you're tracking forward that that's, a, that's good news. So we don't have to be doing things to make up for COVID right now. That's you, what you want to do is build your league. It's not about making up things. So that's number one. Number two, tell me what top players aren't in the NHL right now from around the world. Zero. Okay. So Zero. if you add, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you add another team, it's yeah. 23 players that are outside the league coming into the league. It's 23 players that aren't good enough to be in the league today that are coming into the league. And if you multiply that times two teams, that's 46 players that aren't good enough to be in the league today. Don't tell me about the talent. Okay. Doesn't fly. Okay. Yes. The game is growing. Yes. There's lots of good players. The good players are already in the NHL. If you want to expand, great. But the players are coming up from below. That's where they're coming up. It'll be the players that aren't good enough to be in the league right today. Not top players. Well, we just talked about top players, and two of the very top are, you know, they're older, right? They're 36 and 34. And it's not as if there's five of those guys either waiting in the wings or are in the league right now. Like there's only one McDavid, there's one Matthews, there's one McKinnon. And when you got them, you hold on to them and you treat them. Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. And when they go, like, there's a lot of great kids that we saw at the silver sticks and everything yeah. else that, that that's going to, that's going to add NHL players to the mix, but they're all not going to be torchbearers and Lafleur's and bossies. And, and, and that's what we have to remember. So you've convinced me Watson, no more expansion. <laughs> but if you want to move to Quebec city, call the premier. <laughs> <laughs> how big a loss no i'm not gonna get into that so final thought anything on your mind for final thoughts i was gonna get into jeff petrie when he said no structure i had this quote 
what happened? Well, we don't have any structure right now. Oh, Dominic. Oh, I mean, I guess closing I, thought might be, I don't think Dominic Ducharme is going to be the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens next year. I'm going to go on a limb and say that I don't think next year he will be. How about that? Uh, he, he, here's what I'll say about Jeff Petrie, okay? Players always know first. Don't ever think the players don't know and don't think they don't know first. Right. And players, I, I always chuckle when I hear this about, play, well, you know, uh, you, you know, they're, they're, they're just not following things. Players follow the game plan. Players follow what you're putting into place. That's what they're doing. Like they, they want to believe. It's up to the coach to get them to, 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 to say, hey, we're going to play this way and we're going to have results. The Montreal Canadiens haven't had any results. And for Jeff Petrie to come out and say that there's no structure, like he's bang on. Like, what do you mean? Like, like everybody's going, oh my God, did you hear what Jeff Petrie said? Hey, thank God Jeff Petrie said it because it's obvious. I mean, this Montreal Canadiens team is abysmal. And they're poorly coached. They're poorly coached. They're as badly coached as the Chicago Blackhawks were with Jeremy Colleton. It's embarrassingly bad how badly they're coached. And Jeff Petrie said it in a nice way. He said, we don't have structure. <laughs> I said it in the blunt way. <laughs> yeah. Well said, my friend. Well said. How big a loss would be if Jesus left Catholicism? It would be a pretty big loss. There wouldn't be any Christmas break. <laughs> So I'll end with that, my friend. I think we've we've been serious. We've been harsh. We've been angry. We've been happy and we've laughed. Another edition of the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. You want to say something or just smile? Smile. See you. <laughs>